Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 4 for 4 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. Joined today in week 14, the man changing the rankings and projections behind the scenes for every ongoing injury. It is John Paulson himself. How's it going this week? I'm here. Uh, it's I'm hanging in there. That's how I would describe myself. This is a interesting week. A couple teams on by, and it's hurting me in one league. I lost Trey McBride. So I'm interested to hear your take on Tyler Conklin this week. Um, that's my fill-in. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, you know, we're headed towards the playoffs. This is a must-win week for a lot of folks. So there's a lot to get to. So let's get right to it. We're also in a position where everyone is seven and six, six and five, or whatever the math is, six and seven, uh, battling for the last spot in their playoffs. There are some comfortable teams right now who are also losing players to injury. Some more backup quarterbacks in the league now who are probably going to drop some of the players we previously had confidence in. We're also in a position where some guys that we don't think we'll probably ever use again, like Terry McLaurin, Calvin Ridley, arguably, Jerry Judy, we're in a position where these guys could be dropped. Uh, I think Paul Charkarian, the great Paul Charkarian, even calls them sabotage drops, where you want your opponents to pick them up and start them in the playoffs because you know they're practically unusable. So we're in that time of the year for everyone. And let's start with the Patriots and the Steelers on Thursday Night Football. As I'm sure everyone's heard by now, a 30-point total. And although in the last seven games, the last two decades, when a game has reached 30 points or under, six of those seven contests have gone over. So I think there's a little bit of faith here. But where those points come from, couldn't tell you because without Ramondre Stevenson, who can be dropped since we're expecting to miss him the rest of the regular season, Ezekiel Elliott, we know will step in. And that's really where everyone probably wants to know where you have him ranked this week, Paulson. Since whenever Ramondre left in the first quarter, Zeke then out carried Ty Montgomery 16 to one the rest of the way with a 20.8% target share. Yeah, those are good splits to have, you know, ranking, um, Ezekiel Elliott is a little bit difficult this week because if you give him all the backfield work, you know, he might, he might land in the top 10 or top 12. Uh, yeah. And it's tough to assume that given the Patriots history of committees. However, your splits that you just mentioned there, they don't really have another back that is a, like a, you know, Ty Montgomery is kind of a half receiver hybrid type guy. And, you know, I don't know who they're going to, you know, is it Jamichael Hasty likely to be the, you know, active as the RB3 or RB23? Yeah. yeah. So, like, how much does he eat into Ezekiel Elliott's workload? And I think on the, you know, if you're speaking optimistic, I don't want to go too crazy with Ezekiel Elliott at this point in his career in a game against Pittsburgh. But um, I think if you're looking at, like, overs tonight, they look pretty appealing because just of the pure volume that he's going to get, it, it's he's likely to see close to 20 touches, if not more. Um, assuming that they sort of stick with the, you know, the share that they had last week with Ty Montgomery, you know, as the backup. But now if you have Hasty active, they might change the formula a little bit and give Elliott more rests if they think that Hasty is a better pure runner than uh, Ty Montgomery. So uh, generally speaking, I have him ranked as a, you know, RB2, I think he's a solid volume play tonight. The Pittsburgh Steelers defense is not particularly great against the run. They're not terrible either. So, you know, I think if, if the Patriots are going to move the ball, it's, it's likely to be through Elliott, uh, just given the state of their receiving core. So I think he's a pretty solid volume play. And the only other option to truly trust relative to the Patriots I think would be Devontae Parker tonight. Since last week from Bailey Zappi, he did pop up for nine targets, 37.4% target share without Demario Douglas, who is once again out this evening. Any other thoughts for the Patriots offense, Hunter Henry included, since as you mentioned, we are scrambling for a backup tight end this week. Yeah, Henry's okay. I mean, you're really talking deep leagues if you're getting into Hunter Henry. He had a good start to the season and hasn't done much since, but there are targets available in this offense if he can get open. And, uh, you know, it hasn't, Zappy hasn't proven to have a great rapport with certainly anybody. Uh, Devontae Parker was in my Sneaky Starts article last week as a, you know, desperation 10 point type guy. And that's what he got you. Uh, Cause he's, you know, he's not a great route runner or anything, but he does deliver when he plays a lot and gets targets. I mean, he's pretty good with a contested catch. So I feel the same way about him this week. Um, and then Hunter Henry would be the only other guy that's really interesting that, 
you know, Juju might pop in for five for 50 or something like that, but it's just, you can't count on uh, really any other players other than maybe Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Hunter Henry in this one or, and uh, Devontae Parker. I understand for the Steelers also for everyone listening, probably needing someone like Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryer moved on this week, but Zero confidence in all of them from Mitch Trubisky. Even last week, Deontay Johnson, I don't think anyone noticed, had two catches for five yards going into the final drive when they were already blown out by three scores. Then on that last possession, he had a 30-yard catch and a touchdown in garbage time. I'm really worried about everyone in this spot, so I'm benching Deontay wherever that's possible. But again, I know how desperate everyone is. There's there's some leagues where my RB2 is going to have to be Dalvin Cook or Izzy Abanacanda this week because we may not get Brees Hall in. So I'm scrambling like a lot of people in some leagues. Uh, your thoughts on the Steelers offense, running backs included, from Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, from Trubisky, I, I pulled the the targets over at Stathead. Uh, all of his pass attempts this year, 49 and he has, there's no like clear winner when Trubisky is in. I mean, I guess everybody's a loser when Mitch Trubisky's in. But uh, seven targets for four different players, Najee Harris, uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, George Pickens, and Jalen Warren. I think uh, Fryermuth was injured for some of Trubisky's earlier pass attempts. So I don't know if that's really a fair look at his targets. He only had three. Uh, so, you know. It's it's rough. I mean, you've got 273 yards on 49 attempts, um, yards per attempt, 5.6. So it's not a lot of yards to go around. Nobody caught more than 53 yards from Trubisky, and 53 was Najee Harris. So he does like to dump it off. It does seem to the uh, backs right now. So I do think that Najee Harris and Jalen Warren can get there. And I'm feeling a little bit better about Warren because, uh, you know, Harris was, you know, limited uh, in practice. So maybe they do feed Warren a little bit more since he's feeling better. I would imagine it's closer to a timeshare rather than last week's rug pull we got with 18 touches for Najee Harris and only 10 for Jalen Warren. Not that it would be a timeshare moving forward, but since Harris was seemed like a truly a question mark for this game and DMPs on Monday and Tuesday, I would think, yeah, Warren plays a little bit more. But again, 30-point total, not a great situation for really anyone here outside of the defenses. Moving on, though, to Sunday. Let's start with the Panthers and the Jameis Winston-led Saints, most likely, as Carr is dealing with multiple injuries and remains in the concussion protocol. Your thoughts on the Saints' passing attack, assuming Winston's under center? Well, I think we are feeling okay about uh, Chris Olave. I mean, it's not a good matchup. The Panthers have, have been kind of a run funnel, but we're feeling all right about Chris Olave. Um, Taysom Hill is dealing with two different injuries, so we don't know for sure if he's going to play or not. If he's out, then maybe Juwan Johnson is a little bit more appealing. Uh, I don't think Rashid Shahid's likely to play. I haven't seen an update on him. Uh, so, you know, it's really pretty narrow. You can play Alvin Kamara. You can play Chris Olave. Maybe you're playing Taysom Hill at tight end if you if he's still eligible uh, for that in your league. I don't feel great about Jameis Winston as a, you know, a, a streamer because of, you know, he's, you know, likely to get pulled at the goal line for Taysom Hill as well. So, you know, a lot of it rests on Taysom Hill. If he's out, then that things changes the, the you know the situation a little bit for everybody. But um, nobody really pops up except for Juwan and Juwan Johnson. He you know bobbled a a pass that led to an interception. You know, I thought this might be a big week for him last week, and he ended up with a goose egg on three targets after uh, you know causing that interception basically. So it was it was a lot more uh, Foster Moreau and and uh, Jimmy Graham catching the touchdown. So. Not a lot of confidence in the Saints offense other than Olave and Kamara. Agree. Although, as you mentioned, if Taysom Hill does play, a top five tight end for me quite easily. Last week we saw with so few bodies available, Taysom season high, 13 carries, uh, eight routes, and two dropbacks as a quarterback as well. So just a guy we got to jam in there, especially against, as you mentioned, this Panthers run funnel because their pass defense actually has been really good. They have elite pass rushers like Brian Burns as well. So the running game is how we're going to attack this Panthers defense for sure. For the Panthers side of the ball, it was Thomas Brown's uh, first game back as play caller, but truly the first game without Frank Reich breathing down his neck. And with that, approach we saw Jonathan Mingo pop up for a 38.4% target share and now in the four games with Brown calling plays he has a 21.4% target share and honestly 
it's just the time of the year too, as I mentioned in the waiver wire show, that guys like Adam Thielen, 33 years old, too many routes under his belt, colder months of the year, start fading away, and the rookies instead emerge. Mingo, Jalen Hyatt, the list goes on. So I don't think you have to squint to see Mingo just being the better player in fantasy, honestly, than Adam Thielen the rest of the way, especially because we we haven't got anything from Thielen in practically a month. Yeah, so you would you would rank Mingo ahead of Thielen just straight up? I would say closer, neck and neck. But gosh, Thielen is such a hard start. Like I think he's one of those guys, honestly, where he's closer to dropping than starting right now because come now we're in time where it's like must-win scenarios. Good grief. It's been ugly. It's been so ugly. Yeah, I mean, Mingo's a tough start, too. Uh, it's a tough sell for me. I've got him as a wide receiver four. I've got Thielen more as a wide receiver three just because of his early season. Maybe he gets back to that, and, you know, he's a target hog. But I don't. we're not seeing it. We haven't seen it in, in a while. Uh, Mingo has no touchdowns on the year. He does have uh, a couple of 60-yard uh, games in a row, and then, you know, he had six yards on six targets against Dallas at 20 yards a game before. So he also had that very odd uh, attempted jump ball or uh, catch Right. Near the sideline, which everybody was being. He's raw. But yeah, I think uh, he uh, is a decent dart throw. That's, you know, when you get into the 40 to 50 range, you're in dart throw territory. I think it's decent given the the usage. And then at, at the running back position, I just want to mention that, uh, you know, we, we saw kind of Chuba, Chuba Hubbard take the reins and then he sort of faded. But then now he's back. Uh, last two weeks, really solid performance by him. And then last week, uh, especially 25 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns against a tough Tampa rush defense. Typically, he didn't catch a pass, um, but he's dominating the touches in the backfield right now over Miles Sanders. And I think a lot of the carries for both Hubbard and Sanders were due to the weather basically drowning those two offenses last week. Hubbard's touchdowns were also goal line carry, so not sustainable. But again, we're in a position where we probably a lot of us are searching for just viable RB2s and flex options. So sure, you can go back. That 73% of the team's running back carries was a season high mark for him in a game that he's played with Miles Sanders. But overall, really, I just don't want to chase the Panthers offense. <laughs> that's that's kind of the, the theme of the entire year. Rams at the Ravens, and the theme of this entire week really is weather games that are going to sink the totals and probably the impact of players. And that includes this one, as the totals already sunk down to 39.5 points. And the Ravens coming off a bye without Mark Andrews. I am interested in the pieces, at least, around Lamar Jackson. We've now seen Zay Flowers score 17.7 and 23 PPR points and his two starts without Mark Andrews also led the team in targets in both of those games. We have Keaton Mitchell who popped up out touching Gus Edwards 11 to nine the last time they played against the Chargers as well. So your thoughts on the Ravens offense in this game? I think you, you know, you touched on it with, with flowers uh, seems to have been a little bit better now with Andrews out of the mix. I think Isaiah likely is a decent streamer at tight end. I, you know, he had a decent game last time out. Um, at least he had the targets. I think he had six targets, four catches on six targets. So that's not bad a usage for 20% target share. And he led the team in receiving yards, albeit at 40 receiving yards. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot. Uh, yeah, I think Flowers is a solid wide receiver three type. And maybe he's a little, should be a little bit higher given the splits that you, you mentioned. Um, you know, outside of that, I know Bateman is missed practice. So, you know, maybe Odell Beckham and Nelson Aguilar and, and DFS or, you know, kind of dart throw type plays. Beckham's played pretty well lately uh, in general. Um, and in the backfield, I do, I do have Keaton Mitchell ranked slightly ahead of Gus Edwards due to the work. I mean, normally we see that, uh, you know, the, the rookies start to see more work coming out of the bye, but heading into the bye last week, they basically Mitchell was the RB one. Uh, and this is with Gus Edwards scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown the previous five or six weeks, uh, you know, and running, still running well. It's not like his yards per carry was in the tank or anything. Uh, so that was interesting to see heading into the bye. I would think heading coming out of the bye that we'll see the same sort of split. And if we do, Mitchell on a per touch basis has been more efficient or more explosive, certainly as a receiver. Uh, I don't know that he has the touchdown upside. I think they might still give the, the goal line carries to Edwards, but. You know, I don't feel as confident about Edwards as a, you know, a, a solid low-end RB2 as I did, you know, a couple weeks ago. And on the Rams side of the ball, it's worrisome because you can track 
the Rams output on offense by whether or not you think Matthew Stafford will be under pressure. It's what we talked about last week in that I wasn't too worried about the Browns defense because they were too banged up to consider them the unit they have been to that point of the year. And now this week, the Browns are getting like all their players back, Denzel Ward included. So they become that unit again. But this is a Ravens defense that has been historically, not just this year, historically one of the best in the NFL and they're coming off of a bye with the Rams traveling across the country. So I'm very worried for Stafford in the passing game in this spot. I don't want to drop him in your leagues because he does get the commanders in week 15. And given the landscape of quarterback, that's certainly a spot where we can start him as a fringe QB one in that game. But in this one, I'm staying away as far as possible. And if you ask me whether it's Puka or Cooper Cup who we're starting, it's Puka because I really feel like we got away with one last week with Cooper Cup getting that fourth quarter touchdown. Uh, if it weren't for that, we'd still just be seeing a wide receiver four or five every single week. Yeah, it's kind of wild to see Cup uh, producing at the it level. It happened overnight. It sucks, yeah. man. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I wouldn't say he sucks, but. No, no. I, it sucks. The situation. <laughs> oh, it sucks. <laughs> no, he does not suck. No. Well, uh, gotta, he sucks for fantasy. Sure. I'm glad, I'm glad we clarified that. Uh, it, yeah, he's more of a, you know, wide receiver three at this point, which is shocking uh, given how productive he's been over the last few years. Um, and then I've got Puka as a, like a low, uh, high-end wide receiver too. I do think that volume will probably get him there. But the uh, the Ravens are like the worst passing matchup, one of the worst patching matchups. 5.5 yards per attempt allowed, 172 passing yards allowed. 10 uh, passing touchdowns allowed 11 interceptions. So there's just not a lot of fantasy points available for Ravens or for uh, Rams pass catchers or anybody uh, facing the Ravens. So I'm always downgrading uh, the passing attack. So that Matthew Stafford ends up at 20 for me, just, just because like, you know, even he's above some guys because they just are inexperienced or don't, you know, yeah. So you trust him a little bit more to know what's going on, but uh, not have a totally miserable game, but you know, it's, it's hard to see him having a, a game like he did against the, the Browns last week. And Kyron Williams back in our lives with 24 of 25 backfield touches. So regardless of being worried about the passing game and cup who again, play your matchups on your bench. Like you can say, this guy is ranked similarly to cup and he's in a much better situation. So you can just have a lot more confidence now since we've seen it for the last month and a half and benching cup. If you have the players available to put them on your bench, but Kyron Williams, very clearly a top five running back the rest of the way, arguably matchup proof too, given his, pass catching usage over anyone else Colts and Bengals could be a lot of fun because both defenses are so bad and at least we're seeing both quarterbacks are good enough to elevate their offenses in bad matchups and that's exactly what this one is and I understand everyone was upset about the results of Zach Moss last week but we got the every touch usage all but two backfield touches and now it's a Bengals defense allowing the highest rate of 10 yard runs against them so it seems like the easiest spot possible to just go right back to Zach Moss yeah I have him ranked at third and uh you know you're looking at the guys below him and there's some question marks there uh, health wise and effectiveness wise so I, I feel pretty confident uh the the Bengals are yielding the third highest second highest uh, yards per carry uh, 4.8 134 yards uh, rushing on the ground, 14 rushing touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, you feel pretty good about both of these offenses putting up some points. So I think Jake Browning and Gardner Minshew are streamable this week. I've got them ranked 15 and 16 respectively in what should be a fairly high scoring game, you know, relative to some of these other um, games that are out there. I'm hoping the weather uh, holds up there because this one is in Cincinnati, right? It is in Cincinnati, yes. And I believe this is not one so far We're worried about the weather. Uh, and yes, to your point, Gardner Minshew, Jake Browning, wherever you need to in two quarterback Superflex leagues, both viable. Minshew is my favorite streamer of the week, at least in terms of quarterbacks who are av available in over 50% of leagues. And at least we're seeing Minshew can get there on the ground as well. Not only that, but beyond Michael Pittman and Josh Downs, who everyone knows they're starting. Uh, we've also seen Alex Pierce now pop up with six targets in back-to-back -back games. He was previously leading for Rich Rebar's cardio award and just being out there for every route, but not being able to earn targets. But now out of nowhere, he is earning targets. And as bad as the Bengals are in allowing rushing yards, they also allow explosive passes at a top three rate in the league. So it kind of seems like a spot where everyone gets there, to be honest. Yeah. I'm looking at the, and this is a, this is funny because I've been just thinking about how the weather 
has been really quiet. There haven't been a lot of uh, weather games this year yet. And now all of a sudden you're looking uh, across the, at our weather app, uh, our weather report, and, you know, 25 miles per hour, 18 miles per hour, 17 miles per hour wind, 21 mile per hour wind. And this one, 82% chance of rain, 17 mile per hour wind. So it is something to pay attention to here uh, in this game. But uh, yeah, I think all these games across the Midwest and the East are, are, are going to be affected this week. And we'll certainly have to pay attention all the way into Sunday morning. On the other side of the ball, though, we talked about Browning. What he did on Monday night is sustainable, in my opinion, in these kind of spots because he didn't do anything special. He was dumping the ball off. They brought Jamar Chase closer to the line of scrimmage and just sandwiched him targets and kind of avoided everyone else, honestly. And now we've seen in Browning's two starts, Chase is the wide receiver 13 in points per game. He has a 27.7% target share. So unlike a Garrett Wilson, a Jordan Addison, for example, I haven't lost any amount of confidence in Jamar Chase. I still think he has this ceiling because Brian Callahan continues understanding he needs to feed him the ball in every situation possible. I agree. I think Browning, I had Browning as a sneaky start last week against uh, the pass funnel Jaguars and he delivered. Uh, the, there's some things that if you look at his game log, just even the, even the eight for 14 for 68 yards and a touchdown against uh, the Ravens with four four carries for 40 yards was sort of encouraging. It was the terrible yards per attempt, 4.9, but you think about the team he was facing. I mean, the, the Ravens have given up 5.5 yards per attempt on the season to all these other quarterbacks, so it wasn't even that bad being thrown into the, the lion's den and having to, 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 to try to deliver, and he delivered a touchdown uh, against the Ravens. And then 8.7 yards per attempt against the, the Steelers in what was kind of a low-volume uh, passing game for him. Uh, now we have, uh, you know, the Jaguars, which he he delivered, and now we have another game against the, a pretty friendly defense, generous defense, the, the Colts, who can also score. So this could be a you know a shootout, and that would would get Browning and and Garner Minshew there. Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day, and now you can score even more pizza with your pizza. It's easy; just order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and become eligible for instant win prizes. And best of all, you pick the toppings you crave. I attended a live Scott Fishbowl draft over the summer and was convinced by a friend to try Little Caesars pretzel stuffed crust pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesars convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesars app and have your friends grab it on their way over to watch the game. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Pizza, pizza. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, prize picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prize picks even offers end game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now, it's possible. Just go to prizepicks.com accurate and use the promo code accurate to match your first deposit up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Jaguars at the Browns, another weather game for everyone to pay attention to and if the weather clears up I think it's a really good spot for both offenses well for the Browns offense because we saw Joe Flacco arguably be the best quarterback they've had all year Deshaun Watson included Uh, literally just came in as a gunslinger with the second most air yards per target of any quarterback in the league and there are a couple things that need to happen but assuming Joe Flacco starts over DTR and Amari Cooper's out in concussion protocol That's what got Elijah Moore there because in the first quarter, Moore didn't have a single target. But from the last three quarters, that's when Moore had not only a team-high 29% target share, but a 20-yard depth of target. That's how we get our 
downfield receivers there. Like Jamison Williams, you can't start him because he gets one to three targets per game with that high A dot. But if you're jamming your receivers downfield, double digit targets per game, let's do this. Let's do this every week. And so against this soft Jags defense, assuming Cooper's out and Flacco's in, I do think Moore is arguably a top 24 wide receiver. Yeah, that's about where I have him ranked as a low-end uh, wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. I, certainly if Cooper's out, which it you know most of the time uh, when a player's concussed and the previous week they don't make it back for uh, the following week. Uh, so I think we'll see a lot of Elijah Moore. We, it was weird. I was you know looking at t- tight end streamers and Harrison Bryant even, like a possibility that he pops up in really, really deep leagues with five for 49 and a touchdown from, from Flacco. But you know looking at the box score, 44 pass attempts for Flacco. Uh, 23 rush attempts for Cleveland. Very unusual for them to have that sort of uh, pass run split. Some of that was game flow, but they were only down uh, 13 to 10 at halftime. Uh, It was 20 to 13 at the end of the third quarter. So it wasn't like they were trailing by two touchdowns, three touchdowns. Uh, So it was just a lot of pass attempts, uh, you know, heavy passing attack for the Browns, which was kind of surprising. If that continues, and that certainly supports Elijah Moore as a, you know, fantasy starter with Cooper out. Uh, and then you start getting into some of these fringe, like, you know, maybe Harris O'Brien or uh, David Njoku as tight end streamer possibilities, but nobody else there really is, you know, Cedric Tillman got some routes. He had six targets, uh, but nobody else is really popping in terms of, uh, you know, the sneaky start type of a player. Same thing on the Jaguars side of the ball. Trevor Lawrence did return to practice on Thursday. I believe he'll be listed as limited. I still doubt he will play. We'll have to take that one down to the wire. But if he's out and C.J. Beathard is starting instead, we're not going to get anyone there. Uh, Evan Ingram would be the only confident start who saw six of Beathard's 10 targets to close the game. Calvin Ridley, one, also runs his routes downfield where Beathard's not going to throw. And Zay Jones, who you think you could plug in in place of Christian Kirk, who's done for the year, only two targets on Beathard's 10 throws. And again, it's C.J. Beathard. So I personally have no confidence in anyone if it's Beathard under center. Yeah, and the, you know the 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 total for the team drops when you know they're assuming that Trevor Lawrence is out, so all the stats are lower. Uh, that's why Ridley is ranked where he's ranked. Um, uh, that's why Zay Jones is ranked where he's ranked. And then Parker Washington stepped in for six for sixty one and a touchdown, uh, but for for Christian Kirk. But again. We don't have a lot of confidence in Beathard. Beathard's got his own injury. He's got a, like a non-throwing shoulder injury as well, so we're keeping an eye on that. Uh, certainly the best thing for the offense would be if Trevor Lawrence is able to get it out and play, but I don't know if that's the best thing for Trevor Lawrence. For the Lions at the Bears, another weather game, but the way the Bears play anyways, it's not one I'm too worried about. Justin Fields with three consecutive 100 rushing yard performances against Detroit as well, and so... Regardless of the weather, I think it's a great spot for the Bears offense. Not only that, but I think we're looking at an upset here because the Lions are not only trending in the in the wrong, most wrong direction possible as their defense just is continues to be absolutely miserable, even allowing the Saints to score 28 points of all offenses this past week. But Frank Ragnow, starting center, may be out. And also, the Bears defense is truly incredible. Literally, le- the league best run defense and also since they got Jalen Johnson back from week six on they've allowed the second fewest yards per attempt through the air as well so I think we're looking at quite a miserable spot for the Lions offensive day which makes me worried about Dave Montgomery uh given game script I'm projecting Jameer Gibbs to be the better play this week whenever we thought Montgomery was the better play last week and that came to fruition but your overall thoughts here yeah Gibbs at 16 uh, Montgomery at 19 they're just you know normally I think in a, in a better matchup they'd be ranked you know 12 and 13 or something like that. But in this one, uh, the Bears have been really, really quietly very good against the run. Uh, So I agree that Gibbs is probably the better uh, play. You know, Montgomery probably gets uh, the goal line carries, especially against his old team. Uh, This is a revenge spot for him. Uh, But I don't know if there's going to be a lot of yardage there for either one of these players. And given that the Bears are still seeding pass production to running backs, yeah, I think it's definitely a Gibbs game. I'm I'm trying to bench Montgomery wherever I can and have the better matchups for sure. I'm I'm very worried about this spot. Any thoughts on the Bears backfield? Like everyone knows to play DJ Moore. We don't even talk about DJ Moore. It doesn't matter with Justin Fields. But for the Bears running backs, it seems like we're getting Deontay Foreman back. And before the bye, we saw Roshan Johnson take the reins from Khalil Herbert. 
But if it's a three-headed backfield in this spot, I don't know how you start any of them, to be honest. I would agree with that. And I remember us talking in the in the preseason about Khalil Herbert versus Roshan Johnson. And I think you were on the Roshan Johnson side. Uh, I was on the Khalil Herbert side. Dante Foreman came out when they both got or when Khalil Herbert got hurt and had some good games, which wasn't shocking at all. He's done it in, in spurts before. Uh, I think my surprise last week was, or the la- before the the bye, was that you know they featured Johnson, even though Herbert's numbers have been good. I mean, he's got the yard- highest yards per carry. His his advanced stats look really good. His rushing grade at PFF looks really good. Uh, but they must like Johnson's upside uh, certainly as a receiver. Uh, Herbert has improved the the one glaring weakness in his game, which was the pass protection. But they have certainly, you know, prior to the bye, indicated that they want to get Johnson more involved. Uh, it's kind of a similar situation as the Keaton Mitchell uh, situation with the with the Ravens. So um, I have Johnson the highest. My my assumption is that uh, you know if they're willing to do that over Herbert, that they, you know, might if they're going to do a one two punch, it's probably going to be Foreman and um, or Johnson and Foreman. I don't have confidence in any of these backs this week. I do think that Johnson with his pass catching ability is probably the the best bet against Detroit. Uh, if you do like the Lions to, to jump out to a lead here, or at least lead during the game, then that would put the, 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 the bears into more of a passing uh, script and game script. And that would help Johnson bucks at Falcons. And one I do have confidence in because it's indoors. We're going to avoid everything here between two bad defenses as well. Let's start on the Falcon side of the ball because I do want to get Drake London back into every lineup. We've now seen in six consecutive games with Desmond Ritter, he's seen at least 20% of the team's targets, including last week's 20% target share. So although the box scores had one catch for five yards, this is a Bucks defense, as everyone knows, we've been targeting in every game out of their bye. I think it could be a big week for both Drake London and Kyle Pitts, wherever you need that tight end starter. Not only that, but since we forced all as a society, Arthur Smith to capitulate on B. John Robinson's usage. He has now seen 23, 19, and 21 touches in his last three games. So I, I think it's a really good spot quietly for the Falcons offense overall. The Bucks struggled against the run last week, uh, which was a bit surprising, uh, but they did. And if you remember, I was I was saying that Arthur Smith at some point was going to get sick of answering questions about why B. John Robinson was not getting the ball, and it finally came to fruition. So that's just... I'm glad he capitulated, as you as you said. Absolutely, try to get London in your lineups. He's gonna, he should have a bounce back. Also, this is you know indoor game, in a, in a week where there's all this weather nonsense. So that's something to keep in mind. I think London is a especially a good start for that reason. I mean, we're, we're I mean, he doesn't have the greatest quarterback play, but he is gonna see most of the targets in a, in a nice matchup against the Bucks. For the Bucks side of the ball. It's pretty clear where the ball goes. It is Mike Evans with a career high in target share. Rashad White, who now has six consecutive games as a top 12 running back in PPR leagues with no one coming for his job. And then Chris Godwin, who offensive coordinator Dave Canales came out this week and said that he needs to do a better job of getting Godwin involved. What are your thoughts on Godwin's ranking for the week since the other two, Evans and White, everyone's going to start anyhow? Yeah, you're definitely starting those guys. Even though, even though the ma- rushing matchup isn't great, it doesn't really matter with Rashad White. He's been seeing enough touches. Uh, yeah, that's interesting about Godwin, and we just haven't had him that involved. It's been the Mike Evans show pretty much all year. Uh, Godwin does have some red zone targets. I know he's been up there in that, but he doesn't have many touchdowns. It just doesn't seem like he's jabbing as well with Baker Mayfield. So we'll see if uh, you know they're true to their word and getting him more involved. I still have him ranked as a wide receiver for this week just based on previous production. Texans at the Jets, Uh, another low total at 33 points. And again, another tough one for CJ Stroud, especially without Tank Dell for the rest of the year. We know the first player up is obviously Nico Collins, who's not only led the team in targets in back-to-back games, but 35% target share with Tank Dell off the field this year. Also, 40% of the team's air yards. So that's where the ball goes regardless. But do you think anyone else will be involved in this game uh, and who is your prediction to take over for Dale the rest of the season? This is a tough matchup for the Texans and I'm starting CJ Stroud in a must win game in my long running keeper league. And I'm a little worried about it given the, you know, adjusted fantasy points allowed metrics for the jets. They're just very stingy against uh, the pass. They're actually a pretty good matchup 
you know, for running backs. So the Texans might take that approach with Singletary and Pierce if they can get the running game going to move the ball because it's been a struggle to throw on the Jets. However, the, the Texans passing game has been extremely efficient. So, you know, if, if you throw him out there, uh, you know, he's averaging 8.5 or something yards per attempt. Uh, CJ Stroud is maybe at 7.5 7 this week. That's still serviceable. Maybe he still gets there with 250 and a touchdown and maybe a rushing touchdown or something like that. Uh, so I think you still have to do it. But uh, outside of Nico, uh, I think Noah Brown is probably the best bet just based on his snap snap share last week, which I think was over 80%. And then what he did prior to his injury, which was a pair of really huge games. Now, I don't think that he's going to deliver that again, but I think he's the second best option uh, in the passing game. Uh, we still have Dalton Schultz sort of iffy. Brevin Jordan had a decent game last week, so he could pop his head up. The t- tight ends have done fairly well against the jets compared to the receivers. Uh, so he's decent streamer if Schultz remains out. I know Schultz missed today's practice. I uh, wasn't present uh, during the media portion. Uh, but if I had to roll with the dice on a second receiver, it would be Noah Brown. Me too, but as you said, not starting him here. I'm picking him up for the Titans next week. I don't want to play anyone else outside of Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan wherever I picked him up last week, starting him. Uh, Brevin Jordan, season high, 14.3% target share, a route on 69% of drop back. So we'll definitely go back to him if Schultz is ruled out. Don't want to play anyone else. And honestly, a lot of people don't have this decision because they kind of have to start Stroud. But if you do have a Purdy, someone along that lines, I'm just playing them over Stroud for sure this week. But you wouldn't you wouldn't go like uh, Browning or Minshew over Stroud, would you, given Stroud's I don't think so. Season? I don't want to go yeah, I don't want to go to the waiver wire. Yeah. It's, I, I get it, but I think that's overthinking it. Since Stroud even had, he went 300 yards against the Broncos last week, right? Yeah, it, it wasn't like a ceiling game for him, but we still got there some fantasy production. So I don't want to get off of it, but it's it's definitely worrisome where if you have a better option and a lot of you don't, that's what I'm saying, then yeah, we're trying to get off Stroud in this game. And that's another weather game, right? So May, yeah, maybe. Him. I just, I just assume oh, yeah. it's under... I just assumed he was under in such a low total because Zach Wilson is back in our lives. Uh, we're showing wi- uh, projected wins, uh, forecasted okay. win, 24 miles per hour. So oh, no. if, if, that, if that stays, then that really would change the totals in this game. And just so I think this is a week where everybody needs to you know, be on the site checking because uh, I'm adjusting the projections on Sunday morning for, for weather like that because you know the totals are going to start dropping in Vegas and that adjusts everybody's numbers. For the Jets side of the ball, we're back in the same stint we had from weeks 2 to 11 from Zach Wilson. And in those games, Garrett Wilson had the third highest target share in the league, but he was the wide receiver 32 in points per game because those targets didn't matter. And so we're just back in the situation where Garrett Wilson's going to get the volume, but you have to cross your fingers he scores a touchdown. Otherwise, he is closer to a wide receiver three or four. This is a, I, I hesitate to say it, but this is good news for Garrett Wilson. Right, that Zach Wilson's going to start. I mean, given news. the options, yeah, yeah. I mean, given the options, uh, at least we have a proven track record between the two that uh, Zach Wilson will target him uh, healthy. He's targeted ninety-nine times on three hundred twenty-one attempts. Uh, you know, Tyler Conklin is second with forty-three. I have to start Tyler Conklin in my aforementioned keeper leagues as at tight end because I'm without mm-hmm. Trey McBride and uh, Mark Andrews. Yeah, and uh, so I'm hoping for a ceiling Conklin game. I don't know what that looks like these days, John. But uh, Garrett Wilson, I think you feel decent about. He's just seen. He's like you know, he's in the same boat as like Devontae Adams. He's bad quarterback play. He's seeing a ton of targets, and you just hope he you know gets 70, 80 yards and a touchdown for you. Also, it seems like Brees Hall is trending towards being out. We'll know more by Friday. But back to back DMPs, and it's been mentioned that Dalvin Cook would be the next man up. Having said that, they do have Izzy Abanacanda. So again, if you are very desperate this week, I would get Dalvin Cook on your waiver wires ready to go. I don't expect him to do anything at all. The Texans are allowing the third fewest yards per carry in the entire league. But like Zeke, he will be at least an every down option for you. Yeah, if if Hall's out, Cook will be in that, you know, in that Chuba Hubbard uh, area, uh, low-end RB2. I don't have confidence. I mean, it'd be tough to, like, start him over a, I don't know, Jerome Ford, James Cook, Jalen Warren. So maybe he should be a little bit lower. I don't, you know, I don't have as much 
confidence in the guys below that. But, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook is just like, when was the last time we saw him have a big game? Like, can really carry oh, your him. fantasy team. Or, like, yeah. So I, I'm it's thinking of all in RB. Even this year on the limited touches, he's been really bad. But they obviously... They obviously hate Brees Hall too, or at least the way he runs as they continue to tell him to pick up the first down rather than trying to break the big play. And to be honest, he hasn't broken a big play in a month anyways. Yeah, I'm thinking low-end RB2, high-end RB3 for, for Dalvin Cook if he plays. And that's a downgrade from where Hall is. Hall right now is sitting at 18. That's just assuming he plays, but it does sound pretty bad uh, with the two DNPs. We're back in the same spot for the Seahawks at the Niners that the Niners were in just two weeks ago on Thanksgiving when they forced everyone to turn off their televisions by blowing out the Seahawks early that evening. Uh, now Geno Smith and Pete Carroll 0-4 against the Niners with Brock Purdy under center. And it just seems like another spot, regardless of if we get anything from the Seahawks, that the Niners yet again roll. Because even the Seahawks defense is really starting to fall apart over the last month of the season as teams start to figure out Run the ball, attack over the middle. Don't worry about the outside cornerbacks. So Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy. It's just a really easy week to have confidence in quite literally all of them again. Yeah, I would agree on that front. And then my question for you uh, with Gino and the Seahawks is they showed up against the Cowboys. So how much better is this 49ers defense than the Cowboys defense for for the Seahawks to do what they did against Dallas and not to be able to put up points against San Francisco I'm torn because the 49ers have made sure in those last four matchups that the Seahawks were under siege and that's how they just drowned them every time but last week what we saw was Geno Smith who was 26th and time from snap to throw going into that game against the Cowboys finished fourth on the week getting rid of the ball within 2.3 seconds and whenever he got rid of the ball within two and a half seconds from snap he went 16 of 25 for 8.9 yards per attempt and two touchdowns it actually worked out they moved DK Metcalf as well a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage to sandwich him more targets so I would say I am most confident in DK and JSN in that order now I don't know what Smith and Jigba's ceiling is. We haven't seen anything yet to believe he's anything other than a high floor PPR option. But Tyler Lockett is the one I think I'm most worried about in this game and probably benching him wherever I can. Does he do well or, I don't know, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, but does he do well or poorly against zone versus man? Because San Francisco does play, it looks like two-thirds uh, zone. They're not particularly good uh, on the outside corner. So I think the one area is where they can where the Seahawks can move the ball uh, pretty effectively is through Metcalf, Smith and Jigba and lock at their receivers. Um, you know, the tight end is not really a factor for them. Uh, they're so banged up at running back. So we don't even know if Walker or Charbonnet are going to play. So I actually feel like, you know, Gino, if they do go like heavy volume uh, and just go very pass heavy and get the ball out quickly, that he could end up having a pretty good day. And these receivers could have a good day as a result. Lockett is much better against zone. Literally one of the worst yards per route run in the league against man thought, coverage this year. I, I thought I read that. And so then I was looking at the wide receiver ch matchup chart here and they do play quite a bit of zone. So that's the one thing working in Lockett's favor. So that's the way I prefer it. And I, like, I guess uh, I'm in a league where I have Sam Howe on by and Geno Smith was out there and I'm like, okay, I can at least paint the picture of how Geno Smith does well again. Even if I don't think he's going to do well, he is the better option I want to play, I think, between Gardner Minshew and Jake Browning as we continue to use them as our examples. So I, I go that direction, sure, but not a situation where I want to like actually target him. You wouldn't start him over somebody like Stroud in a bad matchup? I don't think so. I'd still start Stroud. What if the weather's horrible? Then you start thinking about it, right? I definitely start thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, it okay. makes it makes That's... me upset. They look so good against Dallas, though, because that recency bias is also creeping in. It's like, well, it was the it was the first time I couldn't believe good. it. Yeah. I couldn't believe the the numbers he was putting up as the game was going on. It was it was pretty incredible given the matchup and the, the way that he's five, kind of he, he's been playing this year. The top five quarterbacks in EPA per play were unsurprisingly last week the five quarterbacks who also had extended rest. Like at least the Cowboys and Seahawks got Thanksgiving weekend and everything until they played again. And everyone was like, Oh, the quarterback play is getting better. No, this is just what happens whenever capitalism doesn't come in and players are actually allowed to rest <laughs> before they play football. Funny how that works. And yes, you touched on it for the Seahawks running backs. 
we're just going to be touch and go until Sunday because at least through Thursday, uh, Wednesday, both Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker did not practice. Uh, and Pete Carroll early in the day said Kenneth Walker was zooming around the field. And then the press report came out and he was a DMP. It's like, wait, what's going on here? So I talked about in the waiver wire, DJ Dallas is the next man up. Uh, it, you have to go all the way back to 2020 to like get an actual start from him when he played a career high in snaps in place of Chris Carson and Alex Collins. But he did finish on as the RB3 on that week, scored two touchdowns. And I know people keep trying to tell me Rocky McIntosh, but I mean, t- R- McIntosh has been active for two games. He not only doesn't have a touch, he hasn't played an offensive snap. He only plays on special teams. So I don't need to get to McIntosh personally. Yeah, and DJ is, uh, you know, he'd be a tough start, a tough sell for me to to rank him too high, uh, just given his history in the league. But you did mention a, a pretty good game that he had there as the as the starter. I think with, right now I have Walker in the rankings at 22 uh, and and DJ at 51. I don't have Charbonnet in the rankings due to the, you know him leaving with that knee injury. I wasn't able to finish the game, so I'm assuming he's out and maybe Walker's back. But we're, we're very much just waiting on the news there. And if one of them is... If one of the two is active, then I would probably have him ranked as a low-end RB2 just based on volume. But if both are out, then DJ probably is a RB3 type for me. Vikings at the Raiders with Josh Dobbs back in our lives. What is your outlook on the return of Justin Jefferson? Well, he's, you know, a significant portion of that uh, Vikings uh, passing attack. So he's going to affect Tyler Hawkinson, who I have ranked, you know, at four instead of two because of his target dips with Justin Jefferson back. Uh, I certainly think that Jefferson can help. Uh, we, we've seen it time and time again where quarterback's struggling and then they get a stud receiver and all of a sudden everything's fine. So I think this might be a better spot or in terms of J- Joshua Dobbs just looking better uh, with with Jefferson back as the wide receiver one, Addison back to more his more natural two, and then uh, Hawkinson is the is the t- top tight end target there. So I think you know Dobbs I have ahead of Browning and Minshew. We keep talking about them as you know possible waiver wire pickups. Uh, Vegas is weirdly on defense. They're you know they had that great game against future Hall of Famer uh, Jordan Love that I witnessed in, pers- in person. Uh, on Monday Night Football, when Jordan uh, crapped the bed on Monday night, so you you wonder uh, they 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 we, the defense shows up in weird places and does weird things. Uh, so I'm I'm a little bit worried about Dobbs in this spot, but I think you know on the whole Vegas has been a little sketchy, uh, certainly against the pass, certainly against the run. I think I think there's an opportunity for Alexander Madison. Uh, they're 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed against running backs, a little bit better against the pass, uh, but. Uh, I, I'm starting Jefferson if I have him. Uh, Addison has become a matchup-based, you know, should I start him or bench him type play as a wide receiver 3-4. I, I got, uh, there's a couple leagues where I'm scrambling for replacements and whatnot, and I'm comfortable dropping Jordan Addison. Uh, I, I can't buy the idea, like a lot of people are trying to sell, and that Justin Jefferson's return makes Addison a better play from Josh Dobbs. I just think it's, very easily we can't get two wide receivers there from Dobbs not from only Dobbs, that yeah. But, yeah not only that but I I don't want to play Dobbs this week I if you could guarantee me he played the entire game I would have him over those options but both Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall are available to play and I worry that he has a really short leash in this game so one interception he's benched I I don't have enough confidence to start him this week that makes sense, and they've already signaled they've already signaled that they're not sold on him starting the rest of the season. Uh, and you touched on it too, like Addison would be absolutely startable if Kirk Cousins was still absolutely at, at quarterback. I mean, we just the, the the passing pie is so much smaller with a guy like Josh Dobbs there as opposed to uh, Kirk Cousins. Because T.J. Hawkinson, as you said, is going to get his. Like literally, when Dobbs was with the Cardinals, they were second in the league in tight end target rate, and now in the last month at the Vikings, they are first in the league in tight end target rate. That's where he goes. So it's got to be Hawkinson and one of the guys. And I cannot imagine a situation where Addison was a wide receiver four, literally from Dobbs the last month and Jefferson comes back. And now Addison suddenly a wide receiver two or three. No way. I got to back that idea out the door of anyone who says it, not you Uh, for the backfield. I do know that Alexander Madison made your sneaky starts column. Yes, I you know he has held on to that job. Uh, he's he's fended off Ty Chandler. He's running better the last few games and has a pretty good match, matchup against 
uh, Vegas. So they're 20, like I mentioned, 25th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to, to running back. So uh, they don't like, I think even, I think when, when uh, Kirk Cousins was there, you know, more trips to the red zone probably had some more upside as a, for touchdowns, even though they weren't getting, they were throwing the ball a lot. Uh, Madison wasn't really a part of it. He's been a little bit more involved lately. I think they realize that Dobbs is not the answer throwing the ball every down. Uh, I'm interested to see how that changes with Justin Jefferson back because they might go back to their very pass heavy ways. Um, but Madison, I think, is a you know reasonable RB three flex play this week just based on volume. For the Raiders side of the ball, we know that Brian Flores blitzes at a league high rate, and fortunately for us, Devontae Adams literally leads the league in target share against the blitz. So we believe that's the one player we have confidence in to start, and Josh Jacobs to get the touches in. Uh, any other thoughts around this Raiders offense in this spot? It's hard to get behind. I mean, the matchups are all pretty good at cornerback. It's hard to get behind Jacoby Myers, though, in a, you know, in a game like this. Uh, he has you know poked his head up and done a little bit better after the first few starts with O'Connell that were so quiet. He, you know, I think he scored a rushing touchdown, and then you know he wasn't getting targeted. But he's been a little bit better lately. Uh, I look at, I view him as more of a wide receiver four, though, a three four, and, and uh, as you mentioned, Devonte Adams, target hog. You know, against. His his cornerback matches are pretty good. This is you know not a great pass defense. They're decent, the Vikings, but not great. Uh, they're better against the run. Uh, they're third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So Josh Jacobs, even though he's going to see the volume, could struggle a little bit in terms of yards per carry. Uh, but he should see a ton of work and get some catches as well. Uh, but they are if if Vegas wants to move the ball, it's probably best to do it through the air, and that's through Devontae Adams. Bills at Chiefs. I understand why it's being sold as a highlight this week, especially given all the totals. But you talk about a team going the wrong direction. The Chiefs, man, uh, they are struggling. And it's not just on offense. The issue is that now in their three games out of the bye, and I attribute it to injuries since Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, Ajarius Sneed, they lost Brian Cook on Sunday night. All these guys matter. And that's why in this past month, the Chiefs are, 18th in explosive run rate allowed, 23rd in 15-yard gains to the air, 22nd in pressure rate. They're just crumbling and falling apart, whereas the Bills, they were stacking losses, honestly, due to not being lucky. Like, their offense is still top five in yards and points per drive. So I understand why the Chiefs are favored. And Patrick Mahomes, anytime he's a short favorite or getting points, I do know he's historically been the best bet to make. But I can't buy it in this game. I really just think the Bills lay the wood in this spot, and I don't know how the Chiefs answer, honestly, given the current construction of their offense. The Bills, I think you're starting most of your Bills. Uh, you know, Cook, it just, he's, he worries me a little bit. because of lack I'll sell of, you. Lack Let of... me sell you on Cook. I'm very high on okay. James Cook this week because the two changes or the major change we saw under Joe Brady was that the running backs have been targeted 19 times, including the fourth highest target rate in the league now. And so coming out of the bye, I would imagine James Cook continues to be heavily involved. Uh, again, in a spot where I don't think the Chiefs defense can stop the Bills offense on any possession. So I want to play everyone, James Cook included. Yeah, I mean, if, you th if you're in the school that the Chiefs defense is fundamentally different or a lot worse than it was a month ago, uh, is Snead going to play? You mentioned a Snead injury. Uh, Thursday, not sure yet on the injury report. Yeah. So, I mean, he, if he's on digs that, you know, throws Diggs's projection up in the air a little bit, uh, as for cook, uh, 11 targets in the last two games, nine catches caught a touchdown. It's just so frustrating with James cook. He only has three touchdowns in this offense, you know, but, uh, I think you, I think you, you're looking at his carries too, 17 and 16 in the last two weeks. So that's, you know, 20 and. 22 touches for him over the last two weeks. So that's, you know, that's really good volume. Um, I think this is a spot. I just want to mention Gabe Davis. This is a spot where he has historically done well against the chiefs. This should be a, could be a high scoring game. Um, and there's some weakness in the secondary outside of Snead. Uh, so I think he is, if he's on your bench, he's definitely one to, to sort of, this is where he could pop his head up and have a, have a good game. Uh, he had the four touchdowns against the Chiefs uh, in the playoffs. And then in the last game, I think he had 60 or 70 yards and a touchdown against the Chiefs as well. So um, he's like one of the, the one fringe player. You're starting Kincaid probably. You're a little bit worried about Dawson Knox coming back. But, you know, I don't know. They they put the genie back in the bottle with, with Kincaid. Uh, I'm a little concerned, though, that he starts to lose some routes and some snaps. Um, but we'll see. 
Uh, I think you you kind of summed it up. Otherwise, with the Bills, you're starting starting most of them. Definitely a Gabe Davis spot as well. And for the other side of the ball, I know people have been frustrated just based on your own draft capital you spent and Travis Kelsey struggling relative to his expectations. But at least in the last three games against the Bills, Travis Kelsey has owned Buffalo. That's the one player I'm worried about here, just answering every possession. Because six for 57 and one on 10 targets, eight for 96 and a touchdown, and last and last year, eight for 108 against them. Has had a really good production against Buffalo. So I do have a lot more confidence in Travis Kelsey. As we know, Rasheed Rice, his role won't grow. That's not how they use the receivers. Uh, but he's still going to be out there leading the receivers and routes run based on usage the last two weeks. Yeah, and I would say, you know, his role won't grow in terms of you probably won't see 80, 90% of the snaps like you would you would with a typical wide receiver one. But he did have nine targets last week. His his targets have been up, and he's got eight for 64 last week. Uh, he's the only other confident play uh, in the receiving game other than Travis Kelsey. Isaiah Pacheco should have a good game if he can get healthy, but he has missed uh, practice the last two days, I believe. And, uh, you know, so... If he's out, then you're starting to look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as maybe a sneaky start, uh, just a volume-based one. Uh, and then you're looking to see if Jarek McKinnon is healthy as well because he could take some of the uh, Pacheco's uh, receiving load. And Pacheco was the primary back in terms of touches last year whenever Pacheco wasn't a full-time player before the playoffs. Jarek McKinnon solely got there on receiving touchdowns. wasn't even good usage for him. So if you're asking, like, Pacheco's ruled out, you're listening to this and it's Saturday or Sunday – Clyde Edwards-Alaire would be my pick for sure over Jarek McKinnon. Broncos at the Chargers. And let's start with Austin Eckler because Brandon Staley came out and mentioned wanting to get more usage for Josh Kelly and the running backs behind Eckler in particular. Because we've seen now, since Eckler returned from his high ankle sprain, he's averaged less than three yards per carry. Not only that, but he's averaging a career low in catches per game. Basically, nothing is going right for him this year. So how are you ranking Eckler in this spot I still have him ranked as an RB1 uh and this is really if he, if he were if he had a middling to bad matchup he would probably be outside the top 10 I'd probably have him below Kyron Williams or Rashad White uh but he has this matchup against Denver they've yielded uh 149 150 yards rushing 5.2 yards per uh carry uh, the Broncos so this is a get right spot for him and uh, the running game in general, but we might see more of an even spread of, of carries if he doesn't get it going right away. So it is a bit worrisome that Staley came out and made those comments. It otherwise would be, I mean, we've had good spots for Eckler before and he didn't deliver, so it probably doesn't matter, but it otherwise would be a good spot and the best remaining spot on the charter schedule because the Broncos have continued leaking rushing production over the last month to opposing running backs. Minus last week. Uh, for the Broncos offense, that was the prime spot for Jerry Judy. The best spot we were going to get the rest of the year considering he led he leads the league in targets per route run against zone coverage. And yet he still came up empty based on his ceiling expectations. So to me, I'm more than comfortable dropping Jerry Judy everywhere, picking up of stash for the fantasy playoffs, just in case we luck into an injury and it's goes as far as Javante Williams and Cortland Sutton. I agree. There's not a whole lot to say. You could, you could run Jerry Judy out there, you know, hoping that the, the chargers generally uh, are bad against the pass, but they are, they have been more man uh, centric on defense and he doesn't do very well against that. He also has a bad matchup in the slot. So uh, he's a, he's a dicey wide receiver for this week. Eagles at Cowboys, Sunday night football. I don't know how anyone stops anyone because this Eagles defense is absolutely dreadful and have now allowed at least 28 fantasy points to five of the last six quarterbacks they've played. Uh, Dak Prescott and this Cowboys offense obviously rolling, so it is a game quite easily. Don't even need to use metrics. You start Brandon Cook, CeeDee Lamb, Jake Ferguson, Tony Pollard, since we're getting the touchdown regression as well. You start A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. It's pretty easy here. Yeah, and Dallas Goddard might be back too. So the one the one note on Devonta is that if if Goddard is active, you and you have him, and you have somebody like Metcalf or Nico Collins or Chris Olave, you start to you start to wonder, like you start to look and say, okay, well, you know, what has he done with Dallas Goddard back? Uh, you're hoping that sort of momentum with Devonta Smith gets you there, but I've got him ranked 18, and 
uh, with Goddard in the rankings. And before the I put Goddard in the rankings, uh, he was in the top 10 easy. So that's sort of the drop that you see with Devonta Smith historically with Goddard active. So that's the one note I want to make with that. And I, I would feel pretty confident uh, in Dallas Goddard if uh, you know you, you have a need at, at tight end. I have him at nine uh, ahead of Likely and Njoku and, and those guys. Monday Night Football, for some reason, we have a stacked doubleheader beginning with the Packers and Giants, another miserable total at 36.5 points, and so far at least through Thursday, back-to-back DMP for Christian Watson battling that hamstring injury, which sucks because it was hitting his stride. Back-to-back season highs in target shares, a route on over 90% of dropbacks, and now it's questionable like when we'll get him back, if at all, for the fantasy playoffs. So how are you spinning the Packers wide receivers moving forward? Yeah, this is uh, this is tough. I mean, you finally get Watson. You probably don't even start him the first game uh, that he does well because he we've been telling you to just keep him uh, and, and hope he starts to break out. I'm still I'm still picking him up. Uh, everyone yeah. knows their rosters, case by case basis, and I know some people dropped him. If he's out there, him and Aaron Jones, those are ceiling players that you pick up and just kind of speculate because it's really the best options you're going to get on the waiver wire this time of year. The Packers are getting into a really easy portion of their schedule. Like nobody expected them to beat the Lions and the Chiefs back to back. They have three games. It's against the the Giants, Tampa, and Carolina. I forget which one's first between uh, Tampa and Carolina. They they host Tampa, which is the best team of the three. Uh, So they got that game at home. They're on the road against Carolina and the Giants. So I think pragmatically, they're favored now to make the playoffs somehow uh given these last two wins oh and given the to... the lions schedule more importantly the packers are going to win the division because the oh my, lions can't oh survive this upcoming schedule and then then that means the packers will draw the sixth seed most likely they can beat the lions and then they're going to get their doors rocked in the divisional round like you can already foresee how this goes uh, so I wonder, just I was saying all that to say this, that the the Packers are probably going to be looking at their opponents. Can we beat these teams without Aaron Jones, without Christian Watson, and let these guys get healthy if they ha- do have their eyes on um, the playoffs? And that gets a little dicey. I mean, we saw that same situation unfold with the with the Vikings against the the Bears, and they held... Justin Jefferson out probably thinking that they could beat the bears without Justin Jefferson. And it kind of backfired on him. I mean, we don't know his full health there. Was he ready to go? It seemed like he was very close to playing and they gave him the extra bye week which, you know, pragmatically makes sense. So I I just don't know that they're going to rush either of these players back in the next three games when they have these three games that they probably feel are winnable without, if they play well, winnable without. So I just said all that to, to sort of underline that Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, uh, uh, Dontavian Wicks. Uh, these guys are all going to be startable here in the short term. Uh, this is another uh, weather game, I believe, uh, as well, Monday night. Uh, so something to keep an eye on. But these guys will be startable in the short term. We don't have a clear number one among the, among these three, but e- any of the three could really pop their heads up in any given week. So they're you know solid dart throws against the Giants defense, which are giving up uh, the 25th most uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, receivers, they're still hurting at tight end. They're hurting at running back. So uh, it will be pretty much Jordan Love and these receivers trying to move the ball. They they probably will try to establish A.J. Dillon. So for that reason, I think in, in whether he and his giant quads could cause some problems for the Giants. Um, but, you know, he hasn't scored a touchdown in a while, and he's basically there just getting, you know, 18 touches for 70 yards right now. The, the only thing is also Aaron Jones returned to practice on Thursday, and I – I don't know if Aaron Jones plays this one. I don't think I could start him. We've seen him come back and be limited. Uh, they try to protect him. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if they play him, especially in a weather game. Uh, and I know the Meadowlands is the turf sucks. So, you know, I, I'd i be surprised if he goes, if he's questionable heading into Monday night, I'd be surprised if he were to be active and see a lot of, of work. So I agree and- with you. I would, I would not have him ranked high. For anyone listening, Darren Waller is not going to play this week, but he's expected back. Uh, and so given, again, how thin the position is, Darren Waller was the tight end six in points per game when he was injured, had a couple duds, but he was doing enough to where he had ceiling performances. I am picking him up uh, just in case it is. Maybe it's Tommy DeVito. Maybe it's Tyron Taylor. I don't know. But 
both of those quarterbacks have been viable, whereas Daniel Jones was the worst of the three this year. So I'm picking up Darren Waller wherever I lost Mark Andrews for sure. And then Jalen Hyatt would be my only other comment, but if the weather's that bad, I don't know if those deep balls sailed to him can actually land here. But Hyatt did have a 25% target share, went over 100 yards the last time we saw the Giants before the bye. And finally, Titans and Dolphins, initially rumored in that first 24 hours out of Sunday that Derrick Henry was going not going to play, was in concussion protocol. That's not the case at all. He's going to play this game, so we don't have to worry about Tajay Spears whatsoever. But what are your thoughts here with Henry and the Titans offense? I, you know, I think Henry is hitting. Uh, we we have we had him ranked as a or had him listed as a buy or as a trade for trade target due to this closing schedule. He's in his one bad matchup in this closing schedule, which is the the Dolphins. They're they're a tough matchup. Sixth in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to running backs, but you could see him having another twenty carry, eighty yard touchdown or two with you know 15 20 yards receiving like it still getting there i've got him ranked as an rb2 this week i think he's solid uh you know i, I did tweet out that uh derrick henry is not in concussion protocol concussions are in derrick henry protocol after he was listed as not being in concussions you can't concuss derrick henry apparently um so i think he's you're starting him uh you you just may not get the the type of ceiling that you were hoping for, uh, you know, to if you traded for him, but he's, uh, this is the one bad matchup here in the second half of the season for him. For the Dolphins, we saw Devon Achan return at full strength. And whenever two was on the field before the Dolphins starters got benched, Achan had nine carries to Mostert's 11 and Achan doubled up Mostert in routes run 68% to 33%. So, that's the path. It is a two running back backfield between those two with A-Chan and Mostert having arguably equal ceilings given their roles both inside the five-yard line and in the passing game. With Mostert, he's banged up. Uh, I don't know if he's still banged up this week, but he had two injuries coming into last week, which I think is why they basically uh, shut him down at halftime and uh, A-Chan took over. And we could see the same thing happen uh, this week uh, against Tennessee if they jump out to a lead. And with that, Paulson, that's every game for this week. Again, there's just so many injury reports at that time of the year where I stress everyone come to the Discord at 444 if you're already a sub and slide into my DMs instead or Paulson's if you want a start-sit suggestion because I can answer on Sunday whenever we have all the news and weather movement much better than right now. What else do you have on the site for everyone this week? Sneaky starts is up. I'm doing a Discord chat here in a couple hours. So if you have any questions, get in there. Uh, and of course, I'll be updating the projections throughout the weekend. This will be a busy weekend with all the weather. Uh, so really, you know, check the check the site 30 minutes, 45 minutes before uh, lock on Sunday. And I should have everything updated uh, for the new totals and, and weather situations around the league. And we will be back on Friday, usual time, 6 p.m. Eastern, here for the DFS show with myself, TJ Hernandez, and Pat Corrine. So until then, remember, be a little bit kinder. Let's fly. See you next time.